I knew who I was. I knew I wasn't probably the highest energy guy out there, but I was positive. I wanted to live. I wanted to do things. I wanted to grow. I wanted to expand. Learning to me was just part of who I was. And all of a sudden, I'm not capable of doing this. All of a sudden, I'm depressed. All of a sudden, I wake up tired and I cannot figure it out. That was Anton Domenchek, and this is episode number three of Chasing Energy. Now, Anton is a local consultant. He runs a business called the Cresco Group. It focuses on business integration and marketing. And you might be thinking, now, what does that have to do with energy? Well, Anton is actually a local acquaintance, and quite frankly, this is the first interview I did for Chasing Energy even though it's the third that's airing. And the way that comes across is that this is a little bit more of a conversation than an interview. But what I want you to get from Anton is that he's not that different from the average educated gentleman out there, but he has an intrinsic curiosity to solve when he has health problems. And he's not satisfied with the answers he gets. It was quite random that I came across his story. We were talking at a business event and he told me, yeah, I've always struggled with this particular issue with my health. And he told me the story and I thought, man, so many people need to hear your story. Now, the conversation goes a little long, so I decided to break it up into two parts. The first part focuses on the health issues that he starts having, starting from him being healthy, coming to the United States around 20, and then around 23, noticing all the health problems that come with the Western diet, and he tries to fix it in the standard way, just sort of push through, hope that you sort of bounce back, and he doesn't. So how he deals with that is the part that I really want you to take away from here in terms of he doesn't stop when he gets standard answers from authority figures. He's very persistent, and part two is gonna be a little bit more about optimizing your health, but part one is more on talking about taking control of the things that are sucking away your energy. I hope you enjoy it. I think he's a great guest. I got a lot out of it. Thank you for listening. Good morning, Anton. Welcome to Chasing Energy. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Daniel. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing excellent, man. It's good to see you again. Good to see you too. Good to see you too. It's it's good to be here. So we've met uh, a couple of times before, but you do a lot of volunteer work here locally and you focus on marketing and helping small businesses. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So about seven years ago, I started my company called Cresco Group. We are a marketing company. I don't like to call it business integration and marketing. So essentially we work with strategy first and only then we jump into marketing communications. We're based locally here in Chattanooga. The reason I'm here is because I came here for school. I came to the States. So I got my MBA three years later, started my company. And ever since we've been here, Christina and I, my wife, we thought about moving. At some point, Boston was our destination. We loved it. It's a very kind of youthful city, New York. She has a lot of family there. So we were between New York and Boston. And haven't thought about staying in Chattanooga for that long. I got a little, got my job while I was waiting for her to be down with school. And so, yeah, we just kind of anchored here for a little bit. And then that little bit turned into a long-term thing. And, and I'm really happy and excited that that's exactly what happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, same, same sort of journey, by the way. I had big city plans. Nice. And after spending a little bit of time in the cities and dealing with traffic, I ended up sort of coming back to Chattanooga and saying, yeah, I, I yeah. think. 
I want you to tell me a little bit about your time prior to sort of the what you learned, but but tell me about your journey with health and s- start with what your life was like uh, prior to the symptoms that you that you experienced. Yeah. <clears throat> so <clears throat> when I got to the states, I think I need to start there. Yeah, start there. I have realized <clears throat> that the food was different. Mm-hmm. How how old were you, Anton? I was let's see, twenty when I came. Twenty. Okay. Yeah. So at that point, I spent basically yeah twenty years outside of states, and so as soon as I got to the states, you know, I was trying to eat healthy. I ate salads. I tried to kind of stay away from meat. Those kind of like that diet that I left my family with. And so that was kind of engraved in me. And so I wasn't too strict about it, but I was uh, honestly in my heart, somewhere deep in there, I said, listen, I want to be healthy because healthy is important. And then all of a sudden I get sick. In in about a few years later, uh, really when I was at the age of probably, yeah, 24 years old, exactly. I get really sick. Now, when you say all of a sudden, can you give me an idea of how your life was like, say, at 23? Did, was there a, a decline? Was it overnight? Was it in a period of a few weeks? Mm-hmm. It, it was, it took some, it definitely was a kind of gradual way of me getting into uh, that pretty dark place that, that I call today. It took probably a few, a few years. Now, I probably, when I arrived to the States, I wasn't as healthy as I thought I was. I would go to sleep late. I was a, I was a young Guy you were 20. Yeah. Didn't care yeah. much, but you know, I, I wasn't doing much of a party, none of that, but I, I was in my lifestyle, maybe my food wise, I was kind of making, trying to make some wise choices, but my lifestyle, I, now that I look back, I think I could have done a lot uh, differently, but I think gradually, once I got here, I start eating certain foods that I think are healthy, which we'll probably touch on that uh, during a little bit. And all of a sudden, I'm realizing that my energy, so speaking about podcast that's named, right? Looking for your seeking back for your energy, regaining your energy. That's exactly what I was all of a sudden chasing. And uh, energy became my currency. If I had energy that day, I could do things. And I mean, I have gotten myself to a really bad, really bad spot. I used to work at the bank as soon as I was, I got, got my MBA. Had to wait for Christina for her to be done with school. So I got I got a job at the a bank. And I remember I had this L-shaped uh, desk. And I would pick up a piece of paper on one side of the desk. And I would, in my swivel chair, turn around just 90 degrees. And I would totally forget why and what am I supposed to do with that piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And I was 24 years old. Or actually 23 yeah. years old. Now, and then I look at, at the guys uh, that I knew at that time. They were my friends and acquaintances. And I mean, they were bulls. They were big. They would push some, you know, some pounds off the chest and all. I mean, they would do gym like crazy. They would play sports. And, and I'm thinking, what's wrong with me? My my cognitive abilities were declining. That was the scariest thing to me. I couldn't do yeah. much exercises. I wasn't losing weight and I wasn't gaining weight. Actually, people when they looked mm-hmm. at me and they said, oh my goodness, what are you complaining about? You look so healthy. Yeah. And I could not explain. I could not find words to, to describe how I felt and what is it that made me feel this way. But yeah. How old are you when you're working at the bank, Anton? How old? See, I was, as soon as I was done with school, so I was uh, 22, 23 years old. 22, 23, mm-hmm. and you start experiencing brain fog that's actually starting to tap into your professional career. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me what your path of sort of, what were, what were the actions you took and what were the symptoms at this point that, that caused you to take action outside of the brain fog? 
Well, it was really low energies. That was, again, energy became my currency. I, I was looking for energy anywhere I could. Sugar has um, become kind of my source of energy just because, and again, now that I educated myself to the point where I know there's only three sources of energy that you could use as a human being. Your body mm-hmm. as a biological machine has only three, three sources three source, source, source of energy. And one of them was basically only one of them was readily available to me. And so I didn't know much about fats and proteins. I was just getting really deep into uh, glucose and, sh- and sugar. So I, I want to ask the question because this is a really good example. When you, the culture that you came from and that you were raised in, what was their approach to how they got energy from nutrition? In Ukraine, uh, which is where I'm from, we eat pretty, pretty healthy. We eat lots of salads. And of course, you would fi- find families that eat a lot of fried foods, things like that. I didn't grow up eating much of that. So we would eat a lot of breads, uh, a lot of sour cream. <laughs> That's kind of like what, what Ukrainian food is known for. Lots of soups, which now that I understand it's really uh, a way to go, uh, especially mm-hmm. when you have any sort of intestinal issues, which is what I yeah. ended up having. And uh, so we, we wouldn't be much on desserts and all, but me personally, I guess, again, if you're looking for that, if you're chasing that energy, you're kind of, sugar becomes your only way, which is extremely not the way to go. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm just sort of highlighting the the delta here. And, and of course, this is what's called the N of one, but I'm asking you, in your experience with the Ukraine culture, and then you, you switch over lifestyles to the Western culture, right? Mm-hmm. And just so, sort of the generalizations you had as far as, as a culture, what were the major food differences there? Did you find it was, you know, more processed food, less processed food, more readily available sugars, less? I was looking for my foods. Mm-hmm. When I came here, I was looking for my breads. And only now I understand that I cannot eat flour that was raised here in the U.S. I can go back to Europe, which we did last year, mm-hmm. France, uh, Belgium, uh, Spain. And, and I've tried, I mean, I did a little experiment and I went back and I said, let me go back and eat my usual foods. Uh, foods that are highly inflammatory here and that would make me sick here. Mm-hmm. I would go back to Europe and I would eat breads and, and they're wonderful. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of theories over that. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure which one would specifically apply here, but in terms of like, was it a naturally occurring yeast? Was it... Was it, was the bread done the, like the, the home, homemade sourdough fashion way where you had natural fermentation, it had to sit there, or was it the one where you just speed it up and it's ready in an hour, <laughs> right? A lot of factors there yeah. of how other countries still have the old way of doing things and that it's worked yeah. and how yeah. we've, we've got sort of the microwave culture here of we can have it ready in a minute. Yes. And it's definitely not making this country healthy. I would yeah. say as far as breads, I mean, if somebody's wondering that, if you've ever experienced going outside of the States, almost any country out there, the Dominican Republic, which is where we go quite often, Europe types, certain ways, certain technologies are banned, for example, in France. For example, you cannot modify a seed uh, to the point that then you use, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from brands here, and the active ingredient that would be a glyphosate, which is very harmful for, for human. Now, there are studies out there that say the glyphosate, which is how they raise wheat and actually many other things. There's this technologist called green burn. So they take oats, for example, and then as they collect oats and, and other grains, they would spray it with, again, certain products and where glyphosate is the n- n- number one ingredient. And that 
you know, kills off certain weeds and things like mm -hmm. that. So it makes it like mass manufacturing of food becomes very easy, cheap, mm -hmm. but glyphosate is very harmful for you. There's been a study yeah. that say it's not harmful for human being. And I forgot, I probably need to pull up a little more information on this, but there's certain enzyme that human beings don't have. And so it's pretty safe. Well, hold it. Microbiome of a human being does have that enzyme. And it's extremely harmful for, for your gut, mm -hmm. which is exactly what happened to me. So I came from Ukraine and I was looking for my foods. I loved breads. I loved, you know, basically eating all the things that I would. Yeah. So you thought it was apples to apples, right? I thought it was. I mean, yeah. or, or, you know, we thought a piece of bread, there is a piece of bread here. Yep. You experience uh, a different feeling in your body as far as lethargy after you eat the foods here. And you said you did an experiment. You went back over there. And you tried the same food. So tell us how that went. Uh, it was good. It was good. You just uh, really as simple as you eat the breads, you eat the food, you eat the, you know, you, you don't feel heavy, which again, mm -hmm. that's the very kind of human term. You don't feel mm -hmm. heavy, but there's actually science behind it. And if you feel heavy, if you feel bloated, like these substances that are being produced in your gut at that point, they're neurotoxins. And it took me years to educate myself and realize that, that it, they're, they're pretty harmful. So you want to stay healthy. In fact, so chronic inflammation is, you know, a, a stage or a pathway to some bigger health problems such as cancer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, I think that that's a hard point to argue against. Mm -hmm. So I want, I want to know more about you getting to your low point here, because this is, this is very important to people because what, what happens to a lot of people is that they experience symptoms of being unhealthy, but there's, there's gotta be a trigger. There's gotta be a point that says, okay, I have to take action. <laughs> yeah. And then the level of that action is, is very dependent on the person I find. So some people, their level of action is, well, I'll just go to the doctor and let them write me a prescription. I'll, I'll go up and search one or two times on YouTube and see if I find a solution or I'll sign up for some type of program online that, that does this for me. But one of the things I really liked about your journey was how you were methodical and you weren't willing to give up with the first few suggestions you got from the medical community. So tell us a little bit about that. I went to six different doctors. <laughs> And I went from just a, you know, a starting point, your family doctor who looked at me and was really puzzled. I met with him a few times and we did extensive blood work, we did some lab tests. And he said, listen, I, I just don't know what to tell you. On my blood work, he wrote a uh, wonderful blood work. <laughs> he put a yeah. mark in there. Now there's one trigger, one thing that was there that was, so I was, I looked healthy and my blood work was pretty healthy. The one thing on my blood work that kind of. Now that I understand, I think we need, all need to pay a little more attention to it was, was Billy Rubin. I think that's how you pronounce it. Was a little higher than usual, which, which was actually a lot higher than usual. And, and he said, well, listen, maybe you've had it for all your life. And there's a certain syndrome that is, I forgot the name of it, but some people just have it. So I can't tell you, you don't have any sort of cholesterol issues. You don't have any sort of uh, sugar. He tested me for, for a sugar, which it's a, this extensive test where you spend a half of a day uh, at the hospital, they give you wow. a certain, like this orange, really sweet drink. Yeah. And then they, I think mm -hmm. every 15 minutes they draw a, a, a blood sugar and they basically test if you process sugar as well. And so he said, listen, mm -hmm. you're healthy. What are you even talking about? 
So I said, I, I don't know how to tell you this. I am here. I'm determined. I need to figure it out. Help me. And he said, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to send you to other professionals. And so I did my endocrinologist stuff. I didn't, did my sleep test. It's, that, that's just to kind of, we're just scratching the surface of, I had to do it. I had to figure it out. I got to the point where, again, I, as I mentioned, I was working in the bank and I would call my wife. She worked just five minutes away, also downtown uh, Chattanooga. And she would have to pick me up because I would not be able to just be there. I wouldn't be able to talk to people. Wow. I mean, it was, it was bad. So I, I guess, I guess hitting that, that bottom energy wise, mental capacities wise, like really what's, what's the trigger. And it's, it sounds like we're all at some point in our lives. Just, I, I think your question was about like, what, what made you seek for a solution? Yeah. Right. And uh, so, yeah, the, the, just hitting the bottom, I just realizing I had this intrinsic feeling in me that I am headed towards something really serious. Now yeah. I know that probably a colon cancer wasn't, wasn't that far. It was just a few years yeah. away because how it happens, but medical community, speaking about uh, medical community, I think they're great people. I respect them a lot. I think they have gotten a lot of education and we need to uh, respect that. The, I have a mixed feelings. I, I, I think we can agree that, or, or at least in some part that you, you, they're not the be all end all, right? They have, they have certain things that they're addressed to fix, but when it comes to what Anton feels inside himself and he's going to look for solutions, sometimes you can't take the first answer as the be all end all. Yeah. And, um, and but, but I think the, the other thing about that is, is the, the responsibility and the onus for living a healthy life. It's on us. It's not on anybody else. Yeah. It's nobody else's responsibility. And so that's what the things I like about your story is you're willing to say, look, what, if you're not going to give me an answer, and you're not going to give me something to make me better. I'm going to keep searching until I do. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's not normal. Anton. I think <laughs> a lot of people would say after the first or second setback, well, I guess this is my life yeah. and acceptance of that. You see, if, if you grow up being this way, you, you may accept it as, well, this is, this is just me. This is just my personality. But when I went into a sort of depression. And again, I'm not here to diagnose myself, which by the way, we probably need to be, have a little disclaimer here. So any of this information is not here to diagnose or treat any sort of your condition. So if you have any yeah. sort of issues, please contact your, your medical professional. Mm -hmm. I knew who I was. I knew I wasn't probably the highest energy guy out there, but I was positive. I wanted to live. I wanted to do things. I wanted to grow. I wanted to expand. Learning to me was just part of who I was. And all of a sudden. I'm not capable of doing this. All of a sudden I'm depressed. All of a sudden I wake up tired and I cannot figure it out. So there was a, just a really significant pivot point in my life where here's who I was up until I was 20 and I was effective and I was a good student and I wanted to do things and I knew I wanted to do something great with my life. And all of a sudden here in the past four years, I am just, I'm struggling. I'm trying to figure out how to spend my day. So I think, I think if you were in my shoes, you would probably do same exact thing because you would say, how do I go back to being truly me? But if you grow up in a certain environment and, and as a kid, maybe you're experiencing certain symptoms. And then as a you know teenager, as an adult, you kind of continue in the same pathway. Well, then maybe that's just me. And if anything, maybe if you're listening to this podcast right now, I am here, my job, I guess this morning, the way I see it is to remind you that happy brain is a healthy brain. And uh, so if you're experiencing any sort of downtimes, any sort of, you know, 
points in your life where you are struggling with something. Now, there's a component to it that's, again, I'm not a medical professional. I guess we need to, I guess, again, make that disclaimer, but there's a biological piece to it and there's a kind of mental piece to it. So it's a, it's like a hardware and a software to a, mm-hmm. to a computer. So you definitely want to make sure your software is right, which uh, to a certain extent, I knew that my software was okay. Mm-hmm. I wasn't great, but I, I was positive. I, I wanted to live. I wanted to do things. Now, all of a sudden I'm experiencing something with my hardware. So I, I was able to allocate this issue really to just that hardware piece. But if you're going through your life and you're thinking, well, how come some people have energy? Some, some people want to do things and I have to constantly be, constantly be drinking coffee. Yeah. And you, you don't have to. Our bodies were designed in such a way that we should be producing all the new, new, new neurochemicals that would make us healthy, all the positivity to it and, and energy. And energy. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about hardware and software. So I think of it as like, uh, if you think of Maslow's hierarchy mm-hmm. in terms of energy, and if you're talking about like experiencing a state of productivity flow at the top where you are like on your A game, at the bottom of that hierarchy is often things like chronic disease and energy, because you're not going to get to that state mm-hmm. of proverbial self-efficacy if your body is out of whack. So if you're having, you know, we talked about leaky gut, if you're having mm-hmm. chronic disease, if you're constantly feeling lethargic, you can't get to the point to where you are performing from an analytical perspective at your peak mm-hmm. game. So there's a set of contingency factors there that have to be addressed. So all that to say, you're, you're sort of alluding to, hey, I'm not the kind of guy who didn't have a purpose. I was not an unmotivated person, which you can be perfectly healthy and not be a motivated person, right? You may, yeah. you may be yeah. the kind of person who says, I don't really understand what I'm supposed to do. I don't understand what, who I'm supposed to help in this world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when you have those things and you don't have the body that, or the health that supports it, it makes accomplishing that mission mm-hmm. very difficult. And so it sounds like you had a combination of factors here, but it was beginning to impact your professional career and you were unable to sort of do what you were setting out to accomplish. So let's talk about, you've seen a few doctors now. Talk to me about who sort of steered you on the path. So I was highly uh, discouraged after I saw all these six doctors and I've done, and I spent all uh, kinds of money on trying to figure it out. I was then, I was pretty, I was pretty down. I was pretty discouraged. So my wife's mom, she saw that and she, all of a sudden she said, at that point, I knew I had to step, step in. And she started contacting different people and she started saying, hey, listen, you know, my, my son-in-law, he's experiencing this and this. And so she, she somehow got a hold of, um, of a lady. She, she's from other state. And uh, so she positions herself as a medical professional. She's not a doctor. That I had to learn that later on. She has very kind of basic nutritional training, just medical training, actually. So out of... Everybody that I've seen, she was the least qualified education wise and things like that. Mm-hmm. But then and we get on Skype and I'm, and again, I'm low energy and I'm kind of groggy and I'm kind of cranky and I'm just, just with my personality back then, I was a little, just not, not in my perfect or good spot in my life. So I'm, I'm sitting there in Skype and I kind of have to go through this Skype, just a call, just because, you know, my, my, my wife's mom, she kind of got me she i think it was her her her, pre, her present for, for my birthday so i was like okay i have to sit through this call and so i think this lady was smart enough she had a lot of eq to kind of realize you are very skeptical right now right and i go yes <laughs> I, it's just you have to understand why like 
I've been searching for it and I've been talking to people and, and you just don't sound like you have, you may have a solution. And she said, okay, that's fine. I will give you your, your, your money back. If for seven days you do what I tell you to, what I tell you to do, and you don't get any sort of results, I'll give you money back. Don't ever call me again. And I go, why would she ever say this? You know, would she want to make some money out of this call? And it was, it wasn't much, but still that's her, that's her living. And, uh, and I say, great. And I'm the kind of person who you give me a challenge, it's accepted. And so I say, sure. In four days, I follow, I follow exactly the, the type of protocol she laid out for me. In four days, I feel like I used to feel when I was a kid and I'm going, hold on, what, what is, what is going on? And what was it that simple? And if you, if I tell you what she told me to do and exactly what I did, I mean, it would sound really simplistic, primitive. And you would say, mm, that's probably not my issue. And I, and I said, I thought to myself, eating yellow vegetables, yellow steamed vegetables in the morning was mm -hmm. not a solution. I mean, come on, it has to be some sort of pharmacy product. It has to be some sort of a major lifestyle change. But she got me on this uh, basically anti-inflammatory diet, yeah, e extreme anti-inflammatory diet. In four days, I feel, I feel better. In seven days, I feel great. And all of a sudden I give her a call back and, and uh, she looks at me and she says, in your face, I see it. You feel better. And I go, yes. And all of a sudden I'm all ears. <clears throat> and so she explained me why yellow, yellow produce, yellow vegetables are anti-inflammatory. Give me a couple of examples of yellow. Was it steamed veggies or, or all, all vegetables and, and yeah, fruits she, so she said yellow. green vegetables are important because that's how, that's how our body basically, it supports our body's detox function. Right. But yellow vegetables, yellow and orange are anti-inflammatory. I, I think they have these phytochemicals that, that help your body kind of fight the inflammation. Mm -hmm. So examples would be carrot, yellow peppers, turmeric, let's see, anything that's yellow and orange that you, you go in the store, uh, you buy any sort of, any sort of like frozen even vegetables, just look for that yellow and orange color. It's okay. very simple. Then she said, one of the things was, she said, yeah, you have to uh, educate yourself about fats. You gotta be eating good fats. And at that point I had a stigma where, well, fat makes you fat. Why would mm -hmm. I eat fat? As did, you know, in sort of preparation for, for our conversation, I looked at sugar consumption in the U S okay. And what caused the spike in sugar in the U S and on your, on your topic there, it's because during the Nixon administration, fats were identified falsely, by the way, it turned out to be a cool correlated, but not causation. Mm -hmm. In the early seventies, cholesterol was identified as something that was associated with heart disease. So they basically said fats are bad. You should not be eating fats. And since from 1970s to today, the amount of fat consumption has dropped by almost 20%. Big impact there. Because when you think about that, if you're not eating, if you're not getting your calories from fat, you've got to substitute with something else. You can't exactly. just say, well, you can't, you can't just cut all the calories. Where are they going to come from? Exactly. Well, for a long time, it was coming from sugars. Yep. And at the same time in the Nixon administration, high fructose corn syrup was also invented and it, they determined mm -hmm. it was half the cost of making regular sugar. Mm -hmm. So it found its way into the food supply pretty prevalently in the 1980s. And people thought low fat, like you said, a lot of people say you are what you eat, right? Mm -hmm. If you eat fat, you are fat, which is, which is definitely not a good uh, message to preach. No. So let's go back to your story here. I just wanted to get back to how in sort of our culture, fat has been demonized 
yep. and how sugar was sort of went under the radar for a very long time. You know, you know I'm actually interested, and I'm going to do this myself. I would overlay another graph on the top of these and see rates of cancer. Mm-hmm. Where are where were we in like 70s and then 80s? And I wonder if there's any sort of correlation, which of course there's more uh, factors when it comes to cancer, but there's all kinds of other plastics and processed things that we kind of incorporate in our lives that do cause cancer. But, but yeah, I wonder, because I mean, sugar, that's huge. Yeah. And it goes back to sugar being the cause of chronic inflammation. And if you have chronic inflammation, you're setting your, the stage for disease, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that when they've studied um, centenarians, which the blue zones, there's six zones in the world. They look at these. Here's an interesting factoid. And I, I don't think they talk about this in the blue zone diet, but the age at which you experience uh, a disease, so like heart disease, to your mortality, death, okay? That delta between those two things, it's actually the same whether you're a centenarian or an American or whatever. The difference is the blue zones, they don't have that sort of chronic disease or heart mm-hmm. disease until much later stage in their life. We're achieving it at about 25 to 30 years earlier than they are. That's interesting. So. Yeah. So going back to your point of, and if you want to look at blue zone diets, you know, I've read, read the book. I've also read the cookbook. It's, it's not, it's not a complicated diet. No, it's not. It really, it's very much back to basics. You know, one of the commonalities, all blue zones eat a cup of beans a day. You know, you're talking to, and and I I actually, after reading that said, oh, I, you know, I eat some beans here and there. I'm going to start eating a cup of beans a day. Well, let me tell you something. When you eat a cup of beans a day, your appetite for the rest of the day is completely different. That mm-hmm. crash, you can forget the crash mm-hmm. because when you're, when you're putting those beans into things, it, it really does. I mean, I understand that on paper, you know, it has the same amount of fiber as going out and buying a fiber bar. Okay. <laughs> but it doesn't work the same. Your stomach stops. It says, I'm good. I'm content. My energy is much more level. So Back to what you're saying, Anton, there's some very good benefits in keeping the diet simple and, and, and going, again, apples to apples are not the same here. When you're looking at a fiber bar where they've thrown, you know, a couple of different sources of fiber and compressed it into a chocolate bar, and then you're looking at a cup of beans, they may have the same amount of fiber, but I'm telling you, it's a completely different experience when you, when you're eating it from a whole food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I was at the point where I couldn't eat beans. Again, my stomach was so out of whack. And I mean, and I know mm-hmm. a lot of people actually struggle with eating beans. And it's interesting you're mentioning this. Some of the beans are inflammatory because essentially it's not a complete protein. See, <laughs> again, there are only three sources of energy that we can uh, draw from, right? So glucose. Mm-hmm. Fats. When it comes to protein, we got to be consuming either complete protein, which has all the nine, 10 essential amino acids. Mm -hmm. If you are a vegetarian or if you eat only certain types, like certain types of foods, you're lacking some. Right. That's why they always try to combine the rice and beans to get a complete protein. So that wraps up part one of my interview with Anton. Part two is going to focus on proteins, things like we do a big discussion on omega-3s, the synergistic effects of whole foods versus a supplement, becoming a health evangelist, you know, trying to convince other people why they should eat healthy, learning how to sidestep your sugar cravings, 
uh, the cost of drinking a can of soda short term and long term, learning how to control your brain and studies like the marshmallow study. I hope you will tune into it. Go ahead and switch right over to it now and listen to it. It's 30 minutes well spent. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and follow me. I, it matters a lot in whether I want to do the work to keep putting these things out. Thanks so much.